Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Creatives Ignite. Used to be called Design Recharge for 10 years. And at 10 years, I thought, hey, let's switch up the name. Not really. I had a plan a little bit, but it's better. It's a better uh, word for us because we are creatives and we aren't all designers anymore. Right, Debbie? Debbie has transitioned. Debbie Clapper. I love Debbie. Debbie is one of my best friends, and I'm really glad that she is... um, she was willing to share this. She has had an amazing journey. She has, we, our hearts are both still in Colorado and mine's not been there for physically not been there for a long, many more years than Debbie. Debbie recently moved to Cleveland in 2020, 2020 and 2020. So I moved all the pandemic. (laughs) I know I moved in 2003. So it's been quite a while for me, but Um, I am excited to talk to Debbie because I think a lot of us, we start out and we, we get into design or art because of our passion for drawing or a love of art or whatever. And then we, we do, we have this love for design and there's so many things that Debbie learned that she now uses with her clients and with her, um, as she's doing her pieces of murals or commissioned pieces or whatever now. And she's used a lot of her marketing stuff that she's had to do for other people. Now she's doing it for herself. And I think that this is a big transition. It is super ballsy and I can't wait to dive in. And I see, man, it's just a, um, it's great to see a whole bunch of people from Denver. Thank you so much for supporting Debbie. All right. So Debbie, I want you you to give them a little bit of your background of like uh, where you went to school, what you studied, then you got to Denver and you worked and then the transition to where you are now. Okay. Um, I have a deck. Should I start sharing that now? Or do you want me to give the quick intro? You give the quick intro and then we'll jump in. Okay. So I grew up in Rocky River, Ohio, and I went out to art school in Denver in 1998. I went to the Art Institute of Colorado. It no longer exists, RIP. Um, And I lived in Colorado for 22 years, 14 years in Denver, seven years in Boulder. And then I moved back to Ohio in August of 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. Um, I, for most of my career, I've been doing graphic design as my, like, as my thing, um, primarily on my own, but I worked in-house at a couple of places, which we'll talk about as I when I share my deck. Um, but over the years, I've got to incorporate my art into design projects. But as of 2019, I made the shift to be a full-time artist, not, no longer pursuing or advertising that I'm a graphic designer and only um, going after art projects, uh, specifically public art and murals, immersive art experiences, emerging art and tech, um, and licensing my patterns and artwork to companies. Did you get a hint of what you wanted to do when you were doing some of that? Or was it rare? Or was it like it kept finding you when you were doing it in design? Well, it kept finding me. And um, when we go through the deck, I'll kind of, I'm going to walk through kind of a timeline and how things, how things informed 
other things and just where there was the through line of the art always coming through. And I should say with the art, I've been drawing almost every day since I was nine years old. So back in 1989, I started drawing. I was obsessed with MC Escher and then I discovered graffiti art and they like changed my life forever. So those two inspirations and also the third inspiration is the 1980s because I love the 80s and the color palette, like neons, bright, bold colors, um, and just the nostalgia of the 80s comes through into my work present day. So you'll see, I think, hopefully, I don't know, I would love feedback. So any comments, whatever, please drop them or email me or whatever. Um, but I think you'll get to see the through line as we go through kind of this timeline of the work that I've done over the last 30 some years. Okay, awesome. Well, then pop it in. And I see a bunch of other people have okay. popped in. So you've got a big um, conglomerate coming in from Denver. And then you also have um, other people from all over. So I'm really glad to see everybody. Awesome. And your dad says that he contributed to your great taste in music, just so you know. Oh, yes, he did. I love jazz because of my father. He's a jazz connoisseur and he he definitely got me going on Dave Brubeck, Bill Evans, all of it. Coltrane. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So okay. can we see my screen? Yeah, are we yeah I can see Oops. it. You are perfect. Awesome. Oh, and wait, wait, I have to tell them. So you might be thinking that, Debbie, you see a lot of lines and you might be thinking, oh, Debbie must use a ruler. <gasps> nope, not Debbie Clapper. No ruler here, people. So I just kind of like to point that out because I am amazed that you don't use a ruler after oh, you yeah. see this stuff. So anyway, and you, I love it. Thank you for that, because I it's like one of the main things and I, you, I forget to say it sometimes. So, yeah, that's the main thing about my art is whether it's a mural, whether it's a drawing, regardless, the original art is always hand-drawn. I That's where the graffiti influence really comes in because I liked the immediacy of graffiti. I liked that it was on the fly. I am not equating myself to a graffiti writer or anything like that. I am not that cool, <laughs> but I just loved how they used what they had and beautified a space in a limited amount of time. It was kind of dangerous and they just put it together. You had to know what you're going to do. Like as a graffiti artist, you have to know what you're going to do when you're going to go put up a piece. So that really just impacted me when I was young. And it's just one of those things that I've honed that skill over time of being able to draw these fluid um, lines without rulers. Okay. So. Uh, just so you know, um, uh, Jeffy thinks it's your superhuman ability. And um, Noah Carp says, rulers are for chumps. <gasps> yeah, Noah is a good friend of mine, too. Hi, Noah. Thank you for coming. Okay, okay get into so it then. I'll dive into it. Okay, now, neural, I'll say the G is silent. I am so sorry for making this really difficult for everybody, but I came up with it way back in the day, and you're going to hear a little bit about that, where it comes from. But to start, I want to go back to 1989 when I started drawing all the time and I was in third grade and my friend Jason and I started to make these little origami square pieces of paper that we were ripping off pencil erasers and gluing them on the bottom as fulcrums and drawing doodling on top of them and using them as spinners. They were essentially like a fidget spinner type thing that we were making as third graders. My mom, the great archivist that she is of my work, she has saved like almost everything I've made since I was a kid. And we found these in the archive. This photo is the DJ spinners, okay? These are the spinners that I had drawn and created. So this right here kind of shows, I've always had this abstract geometric love 
doodling, like all the, again, the bright colors. And really it's where the entrepreneurial uh, spirit came. Like it just started in me at a young age. I didn't realize it at the time, but as I went through this old box of items and I found these spinners, I thought, oh my gosh, it's always been there since, since I was young. I just never, I just didn't connect to it until a couple decades later. But we started selling these in class and kids were buying like 25 cents. We got in trouble because you weren't supposed to sell, which is too bad because I think the school missed out on an opportunity to teach us third graders a little something about entrepreneurship and business. But regardless, I really saw how the art impacted my peers and my friends and that it brought them joy. And I know that lit a fire in me at a young age to want to start to create, uh, create and share my work with others just because I saw people were enjoying it. So that also led me to create, like I started airbrushing shirts in high school and doing Sharpie tattoos on friends, all different kinds of stuff. And so by the time I was near the end of my high school years, I knew I was gonna be a professional artist at some point in my life, though I didn't think it was gonna be any time immediate. And I decided to pursue a career in graphic design. So then I went to uh, the Art Institute of Colorado. So out there- How come Colorado? I, well, I applied for the Art Institute in Cleveland and they rejected me. <laughs> and I really wasn't excited about going to school. I've never been a great student and I wasn't, I wasn't really interested in school. Um, I had gotten into Kent State, so I had two options, but my sister was the one who pushed me to apply for Colorado. She was living out there. She's, she's 10 years older than me, but we've always had a really great relationship. She encouraged me to come out there and to try something new, which was a huge push because I was so shy and introverted and afraid to leave my nest of friends and my family. So it was like, I'm still blown away that I even moved. It, it's like weird to me that at that point in time, I did it because I was such a scared per little girl. Basically. Were you 18 but, when you went to school? Yeah, I okay. was 18. Yeah. But I just, it was so out of character for me, but I did it. And within a year of moving, my sister ended up moving because those things happened and she left. So it was kind of like, oh, great. But I fell in love with Colorado. And so then I I thought then, okay, I will never move back to Ohio. This is my place. <laughs> never say never, people. This is a lesson right there. Drop so, the mic, Debbie. I, <laughs> I get you. I got you. And that bites me in the butt all the time. I, I think there's so many things in my life where I've been like, never will I ever. And then, and then it happens. And there I am eating my words. <laughs> so... In art school, we had one of those typography classes where you design a typeface, and I actually love type. It's one of my favorite things in graphic design, and this is a little known secret, but I wanted to be like a typographer. I mean, now you would say a lettering artist. It's like all the trend. Back then, it wasn't quite there yet, but I loved it. Type was my absolute favorite because it was graphic. It was bold. You could abstract it. I mean, that's, again, where the graffiti roots come into play, too. So Neural is a typeface that I designed in 1999. Now we can see here that it's not an exquisite typeface. It's really pretty poorly done, but this is the this is like the snapshot of the poster that I designed for my class. So the idea behind neural was the merging of the neural network in the human body and the neural system in the computer, like kind of this organic and digital, these worlds colliding to create art that that has this weird organic digital quality to it. And I've kept the name forever and ever because I think no matter how many times I'm I've evolved and changed my business a little bit, it always seems to fit. Like even today, the work that I create as an artist 
I mean, people come up to me and they'll, th- they'll say, is that digitally created? Oh, you drew that in the Adobe Illustrator program. I'm like, nope, I drew it by hand. If you really get in there and you look, you could see the little inconsistencies. So I think the name still uh, carries through and, and works with what I'm doing currently. Did you just like, um, I'm sorry to interrupt. Did you just oh, like uh, graffiti or did you actually perform graffiti? I don't know. I didn't really perform it. Yeah, I didn't do it. You'd say write it. I didn't write graffiti. I wasn't like a writer, but I briefly had gone out a couple of times with the guy who did graffiti. I don't think my parents know this. It doesn't matter. Mom and dad, please keep your uh, ears closed (laughs) for just a minute. I'll wait. Don't worry. It was all, everything was fine. But uh, no, I mean, I think every now and then I'd go around tag or something goofy like that, but I really was never, I never was like a true graffiti artist. So can't say okay. can't say that I ever did it for real. That would be like dissing everybody else who's really great too. But so my first job was at a sports publication company slash advertising agency. It was this weird hybrid. <laughs> and I did work for the ad agency a little bit of stuff, but really the majority of the work they had me do over the years was for the local sports publications in Denver. And so we did stuff for the Denver Broncos and this magazine called Mile High Sports, which I think is still around. Um, and some publications for local schools, the collegiate athletes and that this with this job, you could kind of see, so it's, it's definitely like, I'm not getting to be as creative and or as artistic, I should say. Right. Cause it's got to serve its purpose. Can't just be this like art piece, but I was still always trying to incorporate patterns and some touch of like unique elements like anytime I would uh, adjust headlines the typography and that I would go in and manually manipulate things I don't like just using a font and not doing something to it and so I would always not always but I would try my best to like add those unique pieces and and situations to the layouts which is something that I I've realized and thinking about it, it again carries through my work where I'm always trying to create a unique experience for my client or for my customer to where it is a one of a kind, like you're not gonna just get this cookie cutter thing. Um, so even back then it was like, I was trying to do that in this more corporate setting and that, you know, the Broncos, you couldn't do so much stuff like that with it. But this job really, uh, aside from that, really started to teach me about how to manage my time, how to organize, how to project manage, how to um, put a whole publication together in a very short period of time. And Diane, I know you were in the publications industry too. So you know how crazy the deadlines are. And I was at one point the only designer and artist working for them. So I was very busy. I learned I would have to be up until, you know, two or three in the morning, finishing and sending it to print. This was back to when we were using Quark and it would all of a sudden crash for no reason. Do you remember those days? And your yeah. document would just be corrupt and you'd have to, like I had to redesign a whole magazine a couple times in one night and you learn how to get fast. So working at this publication company really taught me as a young designer how to be fast, how to still be thoughtful and try to still and still put out the best design you can. I'm not saying like this, this is not award winning or anything like that, but still to to not just slap something together and just to get it out but really think about it and do your best work but move quickly <laughs> so how were you able if you were staying up till two or three because deadlines are like that how were you able to draw how were you able to still keep that part in every day like carving in time 
to well, do that? Well, my lifestyle was so different back then. When I was younger, I was, so currently I'm an early bird. Back then I was not, I was a night owl. So I would, I'd stay up late. I would stay up until two in the morning or that. So whenever I would come home from work, I would, I would make my art. That's when I, I really was creating every single day. It was my outlet. Cause I got pretty bored um, just working on the same brands and like this, this it, with the publications, working on the same publications over and over again. Um, it was fun to mix it up with uh, the editorial features where you could do something a little different for those. But overall I would get a little bit bored with it. And I had lost interest in sports at that time in my life. So I wasn't too into the athletes and that, didn't care a whole lot about the content. So I was making art whenever I was coming home and on the weekends. My weekends were spent making art. Oh, Doc has a question. How did oh, the transition yes. of night owl to early bird occur? Well, maybe she'll get to that because she's still night owl in this part of the um, in this part of the because when when yeah. did you make that transition? Uh, that's a good question. I didn't think about that, um, including that in here, but I made the transition. I believe it was probably well, probably around 2013 or something like that. I, I just realized I wasn't, I don't know, I would just be dragging during the day and I was getting tired. And I, I think I started kind of, well, honestly, I started to think a little bit more about maybe I should take better care of myself. <laughs> and what so, year did you graduate? From college? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2001. 2001. So about 12 years after you graduate from college, you yeah. make the transition. So a decade or so of working, yeah. you make the transition. You're like, this isn't for me. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I can't, I can't pinpoint it exactly. That is a good question, doc. Um, but that's about all I can pull out of my butt right now for that answer. <laughs> okay. Uh, so while I'm doing the work at the publications company and the little ad agency stuff, I was also doing, sorry, build up clientele on the side as like a freelance designer. And so I was doing a lot of gig posters and I got into a lot of the stuff in the Denver music scene at the time, which was like, it was so much fun because it was a great time to be part of that scene. It was, there was just a lot happening. A lot of bands were really starting to just take off. It was a, it was a fun scene. It was, people were friendly and everybody was super supportive of each other on, on the creative side, like in music and in art and design. So a lot of us were all getting to know each other and helping each other out. And so doing these posters, again, you could see where I'm incorporating, like there's the typography stuff, which I really don't do anymore, but it was like, I loved it. Like my friend, Jesse Manley, he's an amazing musician out in Denver and he's still making music. Um, he and I, I worked with him for a number of years doing his album art and his posters and promotions. And I worked with the, the couple local venues and, and this cool music shop, Twist and Shout that like everybody loves. It was just a fun time and it was super creative. And so it fueled a lot of the um, art side because you get to experiment. It's like that fun merge of functional design and art. I think you get to play a little more in the gig poster and <clears throat> music packaging realm than you do maybe in the sports publication realm. Right. Yeah. So those are awesome, Debbie. Oh, thank you. So I'm doing that and I'm gaining clients and I was actually able to break free and start working um, fully on my own. I think by 2005, I might have the dates a little bit wrong, but it was right about that time where the magazine became one of my clients. They were fully supportive. They were really great folks there. Um, 
And they let me then just design for them while I was working with all my other clients that I had built up and clients I had gained through uh, connections with the sports company and the ad agency. So I was working with like a ballet company. They were, you know, I got, I had really great clients that were my clients for, I had a number of clients that I worked with for like 10 or so years. So things were going well on the graphic design side, but I was wanting to do more and more art. I could just feel it in me. So again, spending all my free time drawing and painting and having little local art shows and that whenever I could. And then one day I get an email from Smartwool, which if you don't know what's who Smartwool is, they're a company that makes, um, they're known for their socks. They're probably known for I a lot more I have Smartwool socks on right now. Oh my I gosh, there you my, go. my <laughs> foot up very high, but okay, yeah, keep going. So they're great socks and they make other hiking gear and stuff like that. But um, they were doing artist series socks at the time. And they reached out to me because another local artist had actually given them my name. His name is Jason Telke. He's also a phenomenal artist and really nice guy. Um, and because he was kind enough, I didn't really even know him at the time, but I had met him in the art and design scene. Like I said, everybody was very supportive of each other. And just, it was just such a fun time out there in Denver. And he gave their design director my name and she brought me on for two years in a row as their park, they called it the park artist series, which these were socks that were geared towards the snowboarders and the um, like extreme skiers who were going into the park area of the um, ski resorts doing their tricks and stuff. And so I got to work with them. I got to create the colorways, which means I got to work and pick all the colors that I wanted. And I actually learned their design software. So I could, she wanted me to, to learn, so I could design it exactly how I wanted it, which was really great. Like I loved that. And so I got to do that and I built a really nice partnership with them for a number of years where they actually then also brought me in on design projects. And I got to do a lot of production work, things like that too. But I got to just do a bunch of things with Smartwool, which they were, they're a phenomenal company, really great people to work with. And that really, uh, I don't know, it like started to give me a confidence and it, it, well, it opened up my eyes to see that there was something in this realm of textile design and getting my art onto goods that people purchase. And I really hadn't thought about it prior. This opened up the door for other projects coming in. Wow. So I got, yeah, I got to do, I mean, this is like a few things, but I got to do some, well, I did skateboards for a, a friend in Denver, Alicia Syriac, who was, she was the AIGA president um, for a few years uh, at the Colorado chapter. And she would run this cool event called Bordabello and you'd get to design skateboards for it each year. And it was a fundraiser. So did got to do some skateboards for that. I got to paint some By skis hand, for a, Or were you doing these? in the computer uh, well the skateboards were well they were the designs were by hand and, but then so two of those skateboards the two on the ends are laser cut so i actually worked with a guy in denver who uh was doing laser cutting at the time mm -hmm. so you had to transfer your art you had to turn it into vector art so i did do that uh but he would then laser cut them for me but the skateboard in the middle is paint hand painted all of it's hand painted and the one on the far right is just a mix of spray paint and the laser cutting. So, yeah, so I got to do like a t-shirt for BOA Technologies through an ad agency in Denver. Um, I got to do some cycling kits for Pactimo. They create cycling kits for riders. Um, and I got to paint this cool Eurovan, which was like the best project ever. <laughs> and, and it was a huge risk because um, 
I had never done something like that before. And the folks I got to work with were awesome. And they were like, we've never done this either, but like, let's do it together. And we did. And the van is still exists today and is still still going around and, and I, the colors held up. The van is still going. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> That's awesome. But it, but it was like a whole new, I, this was, I don't know, it was just, again, it was another thing. So it was like the socks and then doing this van, it just, I, it opened my eyes to see, wow, I can do so much more than um, I ever realized. You know, would I have ever thought I'm gonna paint a van prior to this? I Probably not. But the courage that they had to come and ask me and then um, invite me in to do it and the trust. And then I was able to go, oh, sure, and go for it and be willing to take that risk. And knowing that I, knowing deep down I could execute on it because I will say throughout my whole lifetime, art has been the one thing that I've had confidence in. I just know that I can do it. I don't worry about, am I gonna mess up or whatever. Even when I have bad days or make something that doesn't look great, it's like, okay, you just move forward and it's part of the process. So wait, I have a question. I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you again, but you had no, took your breath. Interrupt. So I have to. So, but now I know how you work. So I wonder if the van is done by hand or was it a wrap? Did you design it and then put it in the computer and they did a wrap on it? The van is painted by hand. So we, um, what happened was I was, I actually asked a local car I don't know what you would call him exactly. He, he was a one man show and he had a shop and I was calling around asking different car people if they would um, work with me to like help me prime a van and clear coat it and stuff like that. Nobody wanted to touch this with a 10 foot pole because of the liability. So I found this guy who was willing to do it. He was like, okay. And he was a little like hesitant, but he's like, I just want you to know if this thing starts to rust or if something happens, like it's not my fault. And I'm like, that's fine. And I th- the clients we we had talked about it and they were okay with him you know doing it and everything so he he did put down a prime he he's power washed it and he put down a a clear coat for me but or i'm sorry a primer though i did sand it first i hand sanded it which i would never do again but i learned a lesson and it was it was kind of fun and i had friends help like my friend noah who's here today on this on the call on this call um he's one of the people who helped so we we sanded it down and then had the guy um put the primer and then hand painted it using spray paint and enamel one-shot paint for the black lines and we i will say there was some masking off because we had to cover the windows and stuff like that you know and with the spray paint i wasn't gonna ruin the van, you know? So we did that, but then in the end, I had the uh, car guy clear coat it for me and it really just turned out, I think it turned out really beautiful. Like I I think it's still to this day, one of my favorite projects that I've ever done. And it was the biggest scale, thank you. At that time, that was the biggest thing I had done. So that was like circa 2011, I think, or 2012. My dates, I'm not great with dates. So it's okay. I'm, I'm not going to let Matt keep going. <laughs> it's like if I ever have to be on a if to go to court or something, they're going to be like, why doesn't she know where she was? And like, I don't remember. <laughs> My alibi is going to be a little dodgy. Uh, okay. So I'm doing all those fun, cool things. And, but I'm still doing graphic design work on the side. And one of my clients was a a hummus company called Hope Foods and and they do other products too, but they're a natural food company. And they had become my biggest client and they had asked me to come in house. And 
again, it's one of those things I said, never will I ever go back into an office. I'm working for myself. Well, I don't know. There was just something that happened, this prompting in my heart that I felt like I was supposed to go and take this job and learn and be full time. So I did, and I did that for a few years and it was okay. It had ups and downs, but uh, I learned a lot in that job. I learned a lot about myself, good and bad. <laughs> um, but really overall, I learned how to work better with the team, how to listen to people, how to work with uh, like marketing and sales. And believe me, I didn't do it perfectly when I was at this job, um, but it, it started to clear way for in my, even my heart to like be kinder and more thoughtful in how I'm interacting with people that I'm doing design work for or any client work for, instead of just thinking and making it all about me. Cause I did do that. I would, was very much not like all the time, but I would definitely think, well, it's, I'm the designer. It's my art. I have to have the ideas. I have to, but I learned how I started to learn how collaborating was actually a really great thing. Um, and then it can take everybody further when we involve others in our plans. Love that. So then I got laid off. Oh, I just said, I love that. So you got yeah, laid so off boogers. I got laid off, which was actually the best thing to happen at that point in time. Cause I was a little bit depressed. I had actually stopped making art for the first time in my life. So I will say there was about a year and a half time span when I stopped, I wasn't making art. I, um, there's a lot going on there. We could talk about it if you want, but maybe that's for another time. I'm open to okay. talking about it, but I don't want to waste too much time on that um, if we want to talk about its other stuff. So all that to say, it was really good to be laid off because I had been thinking in the back of my head, I kept thinking, I want. I was getting kind of bored of working on the same thing over and over. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I really want other clients again. And so as I was actually getting ready to ask my managers, if I, if they would mind, if I started to take on freelance work on the side, the layoffs happened. And so it was perfect. Um, so then I actually got into more consumer packaged goods for a little while there. I was, I was working with other agencies and that through them, um, doing design work and then also working with clients too, like clear fork cider. I worked one-on-one -on -one with them and, and helped them a little, uh, develop their branding. Um, and we actually won an award for that design. We got it. I love that. Those colors. The, thank you. Yeah, it was fun. It's a great, like, it's, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to work on that. So that was like a dream design client job right there for me that I got to do. So I'm super thankful I got to do that type of stuff. Um, so working in the consumer packaged goods, I still realized though that something was like missing. I was, I was actually starting to dislike design more and more. And then I had a, a, client experience that it was like not good all around for every single person involved. And it was just kind of doomed, I think from the beginning that went, it just went south. And I, I didn't handle things great in it. Like I took things personally and other people took things personally. It went bad. And I just realized, I don't know if I should be doing graphic design anymore. <laughs> wow. Like I think that I just, I thought something's got to change. For me, at least, something has got to change in how. So, I'm what doing year this. was this? This was um. Oh boy, this had to be twenty seventeen or twenty eight. Twenty eighteen, okay. I think. I think okay. twenty eighteen. Okay. Yeah. And I I started to look into. I realized for the first time in my career that I had to learn to become a little more professional and think about business development and 
and kind of starting to like get some like business skills going that I really just didn't have. I'll be honest, I was winging it a lot over these like 18 years or so of design because I never had any real business classes or training or anything. And I, I used to think I could just get away with like, I'm an artist and I can kind of do whatever. Um, so <laughs> I start looking and I find the future pro group by Chris Doe. I mean, there's other people in this group, but it's Chris Doe is like the face of this um, organization. Yeah, he started and, it. He started yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's it. Yeah. And so I started watching his videos and that and it really changed. It like rocked my world. And I realized <laughs> I see Brian Harper's comment. That's funny because <laughs> he's in the he, anyway. So this is when mindset shift started to truly, I think, start to happen in me. And I will say I'm de I was delayed like. I didn't really start to to change the way I was thinking about how I'm working with clients. And again, not that I was like, I wasn't trying to be like a jerk or something on purpose or not that I was even a jerk a lot of times. I don't think that I was, but just my, it started to get me to think about how the work isn't about me. It is about the client. And I wish I had realized this earlier, but I didn't. But it was good timing because I think I was ready for it. It just like mm. sooner than that, it just wouldn't have landed. So it was time to start to connect with that. And that is when I uh, started incorporating things I was learning from Chris Doe, joined the Future Pro Group. I got to meet you, Diane. That's how we first met mm -hmm. was through that group. And we yep. met other great people, Rachel, Rachel, Brian, you know, a number of other people, John, um, anyway, Dan. Um, but in doing that, and I did some one-on-one -on -one work with Chris, um, we, oops, I moved forward too quick. Okay. He was one who actually really helped to push me then to think about going full-time as an artist. We were talking about developing my business and what we could do to grow it and to make it more of an agency too. So I wasn't just going to continue to be like a pixel pusher, um, graphic designer that couldn't really go. I was like hitting that ceiling anyway of what I could do and where I could go without becoming a creative director. And I really didn't want to do that it, um, for someone. So as he and I were talking, going through my work, I started to show him some of my art and he was, he was like, wow, you're, you're actually a really good artist. You know, I think he was, he's, he was a little bit like, hmm, at first until he looked at my work. And then he's like, you could actually, you could make a living doing it. You're just not marketing yourself. Right. So that, really turned things for me. Um, not that like I had to hear it from Chris Doe, but it helped. And I would say like my family has always backed me and 100%, my parents, my sister, my aunt and uncle, like and my brother-in-law, they're, they've been fully supportive. So that's really helped lead me to keep moving forward in this direction. Okay, so now I'm just kind of showing some examples of current day things that I've been doing since making the transition of from designer to full-time artist. So I've gotten to do some wallpaper for a coffee shop where I did actually get to incorporate a little bit of typography. I got to do some custom type. You probably can't see it in the screen share there, but um, got to do a little custom typography, typography for them. I get to collaborate with this really amazing, phenomenal genius of a coder. Cat, his name is Cashflow. And so he and I have done a couple of things together doing digital interactive murals that, that actually you walk up to them and they react to you and projecting them on buildings. And he and I keep 
we're, we continue to like think of new ideas and things to do together. Um, I got to paint an intersection in downtown Boulder last summer. I painted some art panels for a restaurant that I love in Boulder called Black Belly during the pandemic. I actually did that for them as a gift to them as my favorite restaurant during the pandemic because they were trying to, it was right when everything had happened, it was before I moved. And I was really trying to be supportive. And I said, this is how I can help you guys. Like they had this outdoor tent. And I said, can I paint some movable mural panels for you? Um, just so that you have like, just to help elevate this outdoor seating and make people feel good. And they, they loved it. And so it was great. I got to work with them <clears throat> and I got to, got to paint a pinball machine. So it's, it's been this interesting transition from, it still does. I don't know. I think in some ways what I'm doing still is design. Um, but you know, it's got a little more of, it's got my, my fingerprint on it now for sure. Like I don't take on projects that where they, you know, if somebody wants something totally different from what I do, I'm, I'm kindly decline and I refer somebody else, you know. They're getting so, you for your artistic um, style and what you yes. can do instead of, can you make this bowl of ramen look good? Right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are awesome, yeah. Debbie. So thank you. So, so these are a few things and that's, that's the presentation. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So, so then I have some more questions. So you kind of touched okay. on this. Um, and I don't know if you have a slide that'll tell your handles again, if not, I'll share them. Um, uh, oh yeah. I forgot I can, that. Oh. No worries. I can share them right now so that people can make sure that they are going to follow. And this will be on YouTube and, um, we will also, this is all the places to get to Debbie in case you didn't know. And I will, uh, neural.com starts with a G and then all the mm -hmm. links are down below. Instagram.com slash neural, Instagram.com slash Debbie Clapper art, and then also Debbie Clapper.com. So in this Debbie, uh, 10 years ago, I had, uh, I've been trying to like ask some mindset questions. And today, just so everybody knows, so get some stuff in the chat for sure, because if you're not going to Mindset Reboot, I'm giving away a free ticket today. So the more you chat, Debbie's going to pull a thing from the from the chat for me. So yeah. um, in the last 10 years, what's been the biggest area of change in your life and business, maybe as it relates to mindset? So was it that shift or was it something else? It was. And I think that shift in essentially was imposter syndrome. Like that's where it all came down to. That's where the feeling of um, being feeling threatened by other people's ideas or mm. threatened by other designers or even afraid that I don't know if I'm good enough or I don't, you know, or I don't want to have to get in front of this client and talk to them because I'm afraid of how I'm going to sound or that's where it all it, it was all that, I think more than anything. And so I think the shift of understanding um, really a big key thing for me that again, took a while, <laughs> but understanding that, and I, I really think these two connect to the imposter syndrome, but understanding that my inherent value is not about mm. what I do or what I make. And so it actually was a big thing to make that cut between um, being like, I'm an artist. This is like, I'm this starving artist and I'm going to, 
but to go, I'm an artist, but I'm so much more. And I get to share this beautiful creativity that I think is from the hand of God down. And, and hopefully I'm, it's going to help inspire people, give them hope and make them feel valued. But it took me a while to get there, you know, but yeah. I did, I went to, I had therapy and, um, I went through a rough, rough go for a little bit, you know, about it. So that's a story for another time, but it was, there was a lot of good that came out of that. It wasn't all just bad stuff. So. Well, I think you've all, you, it seems like you have a very, you've had a good outlook, even getting let go from Hope, the hummus company. Um, and Jana said over in the chat, Debbie, I remember when I joined the pro group and we were going through the end of the year goals. And you had said then that you were realizing that you can focus solely on your art. It was a long time ago, but your enthusiasm stuck with me and it's been so inspirational. Isn't oh, wow. that great? I know, Jana, yeah. that's awesome. Thank you, Jana. I, you know, it's just that blows me away because it's even to hear that it's like, that's where, you know, there's always the work to do in ourselves. But like, thank you, Jana. I, I appreciate that. If something comes your way, if like a socks and more socks or more uh, something else that wasn't maybe a mural, but it wasn't something that you had done, but it had sort of that fine line between design and, you know, doing your art, but you're still getting, they want your art. Is there a clear line that is yes and a clear line that is no? Is that something that you had to kind of ease into or was it like, from here on out, I'm saying yes to projects that are this. And what are those clear? Is there something that's like, this makes it a clear yes? Well, what I've come to realize is that it right initially, it's not necessarily a yes or a no. I think it's that engaging, which is something, again, that I've learned over the years of just how to talk to clients, how to get hear what their goals are, what do they want, mm. even when it's an action, just an art piece somebody wants on their wall talk to them first and really find out what are you looking for and see if it is a good fit. And I think then in asking the right questions, that's what then gets us to know like, yes, this is let's move forward hundred percent. Here we go. Or you know what? No, I think that I'm not a person for this job, but I can recommend so-and-so. Okay. So I, I love most of the things that I I have a piece and it has some gold in it and it has black and white and I love it. And so she has drawings there. Norm, like if you're thinking about regular art that you put on your walls, absolutely. Debbie has that too. But then you also have this amazing ability to make the things that are even behind you, right? Like there's like, if you scoot over just a little bit, you can see that skateboard. A little oh, bit more. There you go. There's a skateboard which, there. Which I love that skateboard. There's so many things that I think, Debbie, you can touch and it makes it Debbie Clapper. And it is, I love your wall. I love, And you have this all over your house because I think that you've been able to see that incorporating this, it instead of it being so sterile, you've painted walls, different colors, and then you've been able to go on top of them. And I, it is art. Uh, Maura says it's art everywhere. And oh, Brian says, Maura. Debbie can make anything art. And it is, it is the, and the mural behind her is so cool. Hannah, she has a goal of doing a pool. Mm -hmm. So anybody needing a pool or maybe the local YMCA, she'll travel. She'll do, I will. right. We're, go we're going for a pool people. She wants to do yes. a pool. 
<laughs> so I think you just got to put stuff out there, right? If you're like, hey, I would really like to do a pool. I think there's somebody in Florida that's just waiting, right? They have a lot of I pools agree. or maybe California. I think you're too. right. I think you're right. <laughs> so what do you think have been some things? I know you joined the pro group and that helped, mm-hmm. but you also were doing other things. What processes or systems did you put in place that help you grow as an entrepreneur? Well, I think getting more of a a simple, simple, practical things like having the schedule. This is probably where that switch to the becoming a morning person came into play. Mm -hmm. I mean, it came into play long, well before I started doing the business development stuff and that with Christo or any or thinking about it. But it's just where I realized the more I can actually put structure into my day, the the better I could do, or I'm like setting myself up for success. So I get up now. I get up at like five thirty. I go to bed between nine and 10, like 10 is late for me. I am. I me am and you, Debbie, not, we're the same. Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably going to get earlier as I get older. I, we have, I have a friend out here. He's a good fr- family friend of ours. He goes to bed at like seven and I'm like, I'm getting on his schedule pretty darn soon. So I can hear my, my dog. He's trying to break been... in too. He just oh. scared me. <laughs> it's like, let me in. It's okay, Vinny. We're okay. <laughs> so what, what? he broke in? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. He's fine. He's just well. He's black and white too, so he fits in with the decor, right? He does. He fits in with the brand. He does. He's on brand. Yay! Okay, so then, what about any processes or systems that you've put together that you've been able to do uh, that you've put not put together, but you've started incorporating to help you grow as an artist? Because I think that that's something that you've done really well, except maybe the year, year and a half that you took time and you weren't Mm -hmm. drawing, but what other things could we do that could maybe get us to a point like, you know what? It it doesn't just come out of thin air. It's actually, you've had to work at this, right? Yeah. Well, you have to make time for it. It's, it's like whatever you prioritize, you're gonna, you're gonna do, or, you know, what you care about, you're going to prioritize what you don't, you're not. So I always say for anybody who's like, I, I miss drawing or whatever, they don't want, they just are like, I don't have time in that, but it's like, you can honestly, even five minutes, I, I will have days where that's it. I have five minutes, like I've just doodled while I'm talking on the phone or something like that. It's, it's the more you do it, the easier it can become part of your routine, especially if it is something you really want to incorporate into your life. It's like anything else you can cut, you know, social media time, or you can cut, you know, I don't know, nap time or whatever. <laughs> And make a little extra time for creativity. It doesn't have to be drawing, but whatever it is that feels good to you, if it's cooking, music, whatever. So I just, it's, you know, I feel like it's, I don't know how to say it's easy for me, but because it's such a priority to me, I make time for it. So I let other things go that maybe I shouldn't like making a doctor appointment or something. I'm going to draw instead of calling the doctor. So, you know, Someday I'll just keel over and it's going to be fine. (laughs) Do you always have a sketchbook with you or paper in different parts of the house? Like, are there some things that we could do that could help us keep that priority? Yeah, I have. So I have sketchbooks everywhere. That's one of the things I I forgot. I should have shown that. I didn't. But I've been keeping sketchbooks since grade school. So I have a whole bunch of sketchbooks and just drawing them, doodling them. Some I have that are set apart to be really nice, finished, complete drawings for a period of time. I only did that. But then I have others where I'm like, it can be more loose. It can be notes. It can be whatever. But it's just something to get stuff in there. So I don't know. I just always set aside time. I mean, some people it's help, it's helpful to do like your morning 
journaling or whatever, like just incorporate that, whatever that creative thing is in the morning when you get up and you're having your coffee or, or tea or whatever you're doing, your orange juice, um, you know, just get out your, your sketchbook or your, in, your musical instrument, do a little, you know, play a little ditty and then move on with yeah. your day. Okay. So, and I know you're always learning things. You're, you're very driven. You're focused. You are very inspirational to me. I'm very glad that we're friends. So in the last 30 days, have you learned something or have you been working on a habit and I'm related to your art or your business? Business wise, I've been working on sales strategies, which sounds so gross, (laughs) but to, to make a living as an artist, that's one of the realities is you, you're a salesperson essentially, but I don't want to be like a sales, salesperson in the sense of what we all imagine in our head of like car sales or something, but just outreach. And so I've been really focusing on building out um, lists and contacts of people that I would like to work with who I haven't yet worked with, whether it's companies or, or individuals or whatever. And creating things specifically tailored to them to try to get to know them, not even trying to sell on, sell them right away, but just to connect with them and start some conversations. Okay. So I, I, I don't even know if I wrote this down, but, uh, oh, I did. It was number nine, but I'm skipping number eight right now because it goes with what you just said about um, your opening conversations. And Denise was like outreach. That's so much nicer, oh, you know, that's than um, yeah. sales strategy, <laughs> but is. you have a different approach to actually being in front and, and being with So it's not that you just do public works or, or uh, fine art pieces and you go to art shows and stuff like that. Cause you do those things, but you also do commissions for people like a room that, like the room you're in, people have commissioned mm-hmm. you and it's in your style, but oh my goodness, I've seen some of that work that you've done as well. And it's amazing, but you take you. even the thing in Denver, I mean, in Boulder where you were doing the public work and it was the street, um, it was the intersection and there was like a purpose to that. And you, you there were other people that were working on it with you. And um, can you just tell them what you would do, which I think is, it is just your heart. It's not a strategy or an outreach per se, but it was what you, and I think maybe it hadn't always been that way, but now it's like you really took, so give, tell them that story about people would come up and they'd be like, I hate what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. That it, you're or right. I this love is, what you're doing. A good right? example. Yeah. And I first have to say hi to Denise. Denise is a very dear friend and she is an artist who was a designer. So she's actually made the same transition. She's really phenomenal. Um, so in Boulder, when I was painting the intersection last summer, like you said, so every day we painted for four days and people helped at that. Elsa helped. She was, she's in chat too. Elsa was there, a few other people, but, um, every day you would get all kinds of reactions. Most of them were good. It was like people saying, I love it, honking, like happy honks and stopping to tell us that, you know, thank you for doing this and all that. But you'd also get a handful, usually one to three people each day who would stop and get out of their car to come and tell you how much they hated what you were doing. And I will say, first of all, without doing all the work I've done over the years, I would have really taken that personally. And internal been upset work, the by work, it. The yes, work the internal yes, work. Yes. The, yeah. Um, but this go around, I just thought, oh, 
this is interesting. You know, it's like the first person does it, this lady stops by and is like, what's going on? People are like cursing at me and all that. I'm like, first of all, I don't work for the city. I'm just a contractor hired here to do I'm, I'm a muralist. But what I did was I would, I actually started to engage in conversation with these people, you know, not in this long conversation because it's like, we're working and I have to get work done. But I was like, what is making you so upset? Why are you so mad? Like, what is it that you don't like about it? And each one actually was willing to open up and talk about it. You know, they didn't like the whole thing because the whole, the intersection was a dangerous intersection. And the point was to increase the visibility and the safety of it so that everybody would be safer, whether they were in a car, on a bike, a wheelchair, walking, whatever, like for every single person to be safer in the neighborhood. And so the, the city really was trying, they're doing their best to like do something helpful and safe. And so I would talk to the people and because I understood knowing why we were doing what we were doing because of asking the right questions too in, in the conversations with the city and the other partners who helped fund the project. It was really interesting. And it, it just was every time, every single person who was mad after we'd have a conversation, it, it blew my mind actually. Each one left going, like they were a little more calm and they were, they would say, thank you for listening. I was like, your opinion is valid. You know, you don't have to agree with this. It's okay that you don't like it. It's not for everybody. And they all were just like, wow, thank you. And this one lady was like, you changed my mind. I'm actually really happy about this, you know? And I was like, oh, wow. But I think it's just the, what I love, and this is what I love about public art and doing public art. And this is the thing that is going to answer your question that you were bringing up here is I realize that when I'm working with my headphones on and that I'm basically like, it says, don't talk to me, even if I'm going to be friendly and take the headphones out or whatever, but it's already giving off this vibe of like, don't bother me. I'm an artist at work. And not that there's anything wrong with it. There is not, but I felt very much put on my heart that I need to be available to the community when I'm putting, when I'm doing these public projects where I'm out and I'm going to meet people and they're going to stop and want to talk to me, whether they're happy or upset or whatever. And so I want to be available for that. And I really think that's part of where as then getting to do the art, I get to share in that piece of showing them they're valuable, that it's worth talking to them and it's worth hearing what they have to say um, you know, just as a community member themselves and as another human being. Yeah. Well, I think that you are, that was maybe a different in how you had worked in the past. Um, you were incorporating more, even you had said, um, to me that the people who were, um, part of the city, they really enjoyed coming and because you made them part of the process. They felt like you were actually giving them, um, or I'm putting words and you didn't necessarily say this, but like it, they felt part of the process because you were, and I think you've probably done this with other, uh, other projects, other commissions, because you are, you are using that designer mind and making it not just about you and what you're doing, but it's also, in I love that you incorporated the people who were walking by and you took the time because lots of people wouldn't and they definitely wouldn't be loving to the people who weren't happy about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, and it's, 
it, I don't know. I just, it's what I feel on my heart. And I, you know, a big part of who I am as an artist is my faith. I do love Jesus. You know that about me. And not everybody does, but a lot of my friends and my family absolutely know that. I don't ever push it down anybody's throat or whatever, but I just think that's part of living the life that a convicted life that I want to live and the way I want to live my life and being kind to other people and showing them that they are valuable and they're their opinion is valid and it doesn't have to be the same as mine. <laughs> right. It's or just the cities way. or whatever, you know. Right. But it was that you were serving them, the city, the city of Boulder in a different way than just painting. And I thought that that really mm -hmm. struck me as such a unique, um, different way of working that I haven't seen other artists do. So mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love that. So uh -huh. um, thank you. I, I want to know, because you have shown me some of this I, uh, and you're not going to show any, but oftentimes, I mean, you've worked in this style for a long time, third grade. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, not exactly, but you had graphic, you loved the graphic lines, you know, but how do you experiment and work on new styles? Um, is it something that you just kind of have, you always do this? I mean, I know that you do different things and you try different things. How, how often, how much time do you give for experimenting during the week? Mm, it varies. And I go through phases actually. Like I really, for years, I've been stuck on the triangles. Like I've been doing the triangles for a really long time. This back here was like a merge, this mural I'm pointing at. <laughs> um of old like i used to do a lot of these organic swirls and lines and some people don't even know that is part of my repertoire or is it repertoire yeah, yeah. repertoire uh -huh. um, like, um because it was so long ago that i was doing it and then i moved away from it got very hard graphic edges and now i'm kind of merging the two worlds again so i pull in and out and i go back to my sketchbooks i'll say i go to my sketchbooks all the time so i'll go to I'll even go back to stuff from grade school and scraps because I have scraps of paper too. I have all kinds of things that I've saved over the years. And I'm like, oh, I like that idea, you know? And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna bring that one back and try a new take on it. And I often I'll see it in my mind's eye. So that's kind of how the evolution goes. But sometimes when I'm playing around and you've seen some of the things that when I'm playing around, I've shown you and a few other people that weren't a little um, secret group, art group in <laughs> yeah. with. Um, <laughs> that like I love abstract expressionism, but I'm not gonna do that like as my art, but I play with that all the time. And it's stuff that I'm just gonna probably keep in my files over there and paintings in the back that maybe nobody will see except my parents or, you know, we'll put it up in their house if they like it or whatever. But um, I don't know, it's just, I'll do different stuff. And I actually was looking through my archives and I, I did more realistic drawings than I realized. So I have done some in the past. I just would say in the, in years now, I haven't, I haven't yeah, done but, any of that in a long time. But, but even in being abstract, you have, there are different styles that you, I mean, there are certain parts that are still yours. And Jeffy says, Debbie, I appreciate how sure you are of your lines. And that when I see your art, that your work it's undeniably yours even when you switch things up and are experimenting i absolutely mm. agree mm, and i think you. sometimes we we tend to get stuck um and i was watching a video earlier today and this lady was like you know you may tend to do a lot of circles or you tend to do a lot of something and then that continues to be repeating in your process and then um she asked a question i hadn't heard she was like 
at, at the, you know, often you need to set aside time to look at some pieces that you've been creating and ask two questions. One, what do you like that you want to continue it? You want it to keep showing up. And then what do you not want to keep showing up? What keeps showing up that you don't want? Do you ever ask mm-hmm. questions? Do you ever do like a, it's the 15th of the month. Let's, you know, take out the work and look what I've been doing. I'm not that structured, but I do ask questions. And I, I actually, I'll say that um, though my work is very, it's the freehand and all that. And I like doing the asymmetrical symmetrical, um, but I will make rules. So when I'm going along, I'll have rules for a while or, you know, and then when I make a mistake or break the rules, I just go with it. I adjust. I try not to actually get rid of mistakes because I think that's part of the process. Mm -hmm. Like I am not a perfectionist that some people think people assume that I am, but I'm really not. I'm actually probably kind of maybe I should care a little more about that sometimes, but I don't know. No. I just think it's it's human quality to it. It's like the art has more life and it's mm-hmm. again and again, I think that's where the graffiti roots come in where it's like it's just got it's more raw and it's real. Like it's really ugly to some people and it's really beautiful to others. I have two more questions because I know we're two minutes over. But what's the oh. thing that you've learned about about yourself in the last year that's been the most impactful to your life and business? Because this is it's the whole COVID, the whole moving back, the whole going full time. There's lots of things, but in the last year, what, what's something that you've learned that that might help us? Um, To keep showing up, like it was hard during COVID because it was, it was, look, I'm not like, it was so awful for me. It was hard, but it was depressing. I moved and all that. It was a mix of things. It was a move I really wasn't planning on. And so I'd moved depressed, couldn't really meet people. And um, my mom was having health issues. And so it was just like a lot. And I was kind of, and I was part of a community that completely had fallen apart too. And so I, it kicked up some of that. But what I've thought or what I've realized is to keep showing up and to, to surround yourself with the people who are really going to be supportive and encouraging, you know, folks like you, Diane, and my friends who are here today that have taken the time to come and join us and the other friends that I don't know yet, but are here and my family and just to not be afraid to let go of the um, relationships or things that aren't healthy, not in a bad way, but to do it and to know that it's gonna, it's okay. Some things are meant for a time And then it's, and then you go on like, and it's not good or bad or anything. It's just part of life. When you say keep showing up. Yes. That makes it. Yeah. When you say keep showing up, does that mean like, don't give up, don't, you know, go get a job at Lowe's, you know, like that you're, I mean, because I'm sure that there are times, there are times when I'm like, oh, I can't not do blank. I've got to just keep going. Keep, you know, there's this kind of. But what does that mean for you? Like, what is that? Well, it does mean the keep, I mean, because there were times where I was like, do I just need to go and get a job? Like, this is awful. And I've moved and all the, you know, and like, does art matter? I don't know what, you know, this like ups and downs. Um, So I think the keep showing up doesn't mean that I actually showed up every day because I didn't. (laughs) But I think that over time to not completely give up. So Mm keeps showing up. And I think even in that, here's what I think. I think it also means 
being like even being vulnerable and open to being able to tell those who who you trust or close to that you can say i'm really having a hard time like my family knew i was having a hard time i was very open and honest with them about it and they'd help encourage me like my sister is an amazing supporter and like you too diane like just and other other friends too i don't you know but no i'm the best i'm the best (laughs) <laughs> keep going, keep going. Second to my sister. <laughs> but fair. You, you two would get no, along great. You two would get along great. I can't wait to meet her. I know, but, someday. But um, it is important so to I have think people. That's what it, yeah, and I think that's what it means instead of like, don't retreat. Because that old me would have retreated and shut down completely and been like, huh. I'm all by myself. I have nobody. So I, this, okay, this is, I'm processing through this as we're doing it. But I think that's what it means to show up. Cause we're just, we're still being ourselves too. And I think to Van who is here, she does a lot of, she's great on this topic. She's done a lot of deep work and she's an amazing woman. And like, I just feel like this is kind of a Van lesson too. Like be yourself and don't, don't try to be something else, you know? And so if you're having a bad day, it's okay. If you have a day mm-hmm. where you're like, I can't show up today, that's okay. But just keep trying each day, like be open to that also, you know, allowing that to change your heart to change. I love that. So it's kind of like your authentic lines. Just be, if you mess up, it's just a mess up, but it doesn't mean that yes. the piece is ruined or the day is ruined. Right. So that's yes. what I'm getting from this is that I'm going to be like one of your lines that if it didn't go exactly, that's just what it does. We don't all have to show up with the perfect body or the perfect design or the perfect marketing sales strategy we just have (laughs) to be right we just have to we have to keep showing up and being ourselves and let letting some of those imperfections show um and our heart show to so that we can serve better and make better things and but it's also just about continuing to practice but also trying new things you're pretty bold in things that you'll try and you'll which I'm, again, it's very inspiring to me that you are like, I'm going, for, I'm going to do this. I'm, and I love that you want to do a pool. I just can't wait for oh. the, and Brian Harper was like, oh, you should get with a pool liner company, something yeah, else. Right? I know that was something. a great idea. Yeah. Good idea, Brian. So what the last question, what is next, Debbie? What, what is next on the horizon for you? Uh, I, Okay, I think a pool possibly one of these days, right? But what else um, would you like? Continual evolution. Like I've been, I very much have been in like newer things have been inspiring me in the last couple of years, particularly certain interior designers like Kelly Wurstler. I've loved her forever, but like she inspires me. And then fashion design. Not, I'm not going to become an interior designer or a fashion designer, but I would love to collaborate with folks like that, like. I don't know. There's something there that I think, um, I don't know. I think there's something there and I want to go and explore that realm and try different mediums and just play with texture and actually something else too, that I I really want to, uh, develop is art that is more accessible for all. Like if somebody maybe has, um, a disability or, you know, like if you can't, if you're colorblind or if you're blind or if you, I want to expand the horizons on that. And really like, what does that look like to take my art and make it for more people like beyond Mm. what I've known, beyond what my friends or that family have known, 
Like, how can we, how can I serve others in this way? I don't fully know, but I know that, I know that it'll be shown. I think it'll be revealed to me as we move along. Yeah. If you keep showing up, right. And being willing to listen to what else is happening. Kat says fabric design would be amazing. It's super hard as a funky Mm. loving girl who quilts to find fabrics that speak to her neon loving heart. Oh, Oh, girl, girl. We'll come up with some, (laughs) some fabrics for you somehow. Even if we do a one-off, I'll send it to you. (laughs) It's a spoon flower. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I, Denise says showing up with your huge heart. Oh, Denise. A- absolutely. Okay. So again, Love just Denise. want to remind people um, how you can get in touch with Debbie. It's neural. It's G N E U R A L.com. And like me, she doesn't capitalize. I don't capitalize Diane Gibbs, just so y'all know. And Debbie yeah. doesn't capitalize neural. Okay. And then you can also find her on Instagram at neural G N E U R A L or Debbie Clapper art. So those are also, but you can also see stuff at debbieclapper.com. So yeah, that needs to get, yeah. Anyway, it's one of those. It needs help, but yeah. (laughs) So uh, Debbie, since a couple things. So um, one, thank you so much for sharing your story. You have such, you're, it's so vibrant and it, even in black and white, it's so, um, the art is exciting. And I just, I love it when I get to, I mean, sometimes we talk on the phone, but lots of times we meet on zoom and I get to see the space behind you, which I always love. Um, okay. Thank you guys for staying so long. I'm going to hit Thank stop. You. Thank you, Debbie. Don't forget to go follow. And I can't wait to see you guys uh, next week. Bye.